Um, I don't like that. Nope. Don't like that. Don't worry. Any- you know, my angles are always fucked up. I try to hide that broom so people would stop talking about it. <laughs> Dude, you can say you gotta Django. clean up a room somehow. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. fucking A, man. My hangs out in my hallway, but I'm not, you know, like people yeah. don't look at my broom, please. Justin, yeah. uh, you've got a tiny cup and a tiny broom. What else do you have that's small? Because I'm a big fan of little things. Um gosh, I don't know. I I apparently I like them too. Tiny broom. Got my little <laughs> This uh, is a um well boys i guess i don't know how to do any of this on this device so I'm going to do my best. Um, and, you know, your best is all that you can ask for when you're four boys sitting in a room buying time looking up what the most recent episode of this podcast was. But we bought enough time. Everyone, welcome to Batman in Quarantine, episode 67, Except- where the boxes have changed, the computers have changed, the mics have changed, but the four stalwart boys and the books that they're reading have not changed. Batman Incorporated, volume two, issue number two, Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, we're doing issue number two. Yeah, cool. My internet connection is unstable. I read number three. <laughs> oh, cool. So then you'll just have to dive into your memory. You'll just have to dive into your memory banks for number two, right? Yeah, you guys. Uh, yeah. Keep talking. You I must have two. enjoyed Matchstick Malone. I read two. I read three. three. Yeah, I, I read two. two and three. Okay. Okay. All right. But we are good to do two. People have read two. Yeah. 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 Okay. I have right. I have the matches. Yep. I've okay. All right. So we're off to a great start here. Django disappeared. I'm um, just staring <laughs> at a blood go wall. Read two. <laughs> He's gonna go read two. He's gonna poop and read two. Um, yeah, and this I have an issue... unstable internet connection. So I okay. Be... Well, if you drop out, totally cool. I haven't noticed any problems on our end for you. It's like no lag or anything. But I just had a lag there for a minute. Okay. Um, and Django's back. It's a pretty crazy morning, everyone. We're doing we're doing our best. I mean, this is a good opportunity to say, hey, this is our one episode for the week because Thursday is Christmas Eve, and oh, yeah. um, and we're just not doing podcasts this week. Uh, no papcast. No no Thursday version of this. Just like I have an exciting thing that has yeah. to do with a asterisms. Like this issue has asterisms, and Christmas is tonight on the winter solstice at, yep. for about forty five minutes after sundown the star of bethlehem will be visible for the first time since some people are claiming since like 1226 i don't know if it's been that long (laughs) you know but the first time in a really long time so you guys check the asterism for a little bit of winter solstice good luck and maybe we won't have internet connection internet problems or volume problems ever again get your your jesus cosplay out Mm-hmm. And oh, this yeah. will be going up on Monday. So, yeah, everyone, check that out this Monday night tonight if you're listening to this on the day of release. But more importantly, when is the uh, the star of Al Ghul going to be visible? We don't These are the questions. That. We don't talk about that. But what we do talk about is Live Aid being um, turned into Woodstock. Woodstock being turned into Live Aid in terms of Grant Morrison retcons. This is just the secret history of Talia Al Ghul and also the defining putting a bow on 
um, kind of the entire Morrison run at this point, seeing that there has been this thing going on in the background, orchestrating a lot of stuff, filling in a bunch of, um, you know, conversations behind locked doors, essentially, that have been happening the entire run. I really liked this issue. I think it reminded sure. me of like Justin talking about Morrison's just ability to kind of tell a one and done story. Like this felt like both a great one and done story and then also explaining motivation for everything you've read beforehand. Yeah. It's uh, I love when he does like sick secret histories and this is, you know, doing it like this is Talia's story from Talia's perspective rather than dealing with like Batman doing his thing and, it was really cool and burnham's art again is so fucking <laughs> cool it's so insane yeah. how much he leveled up yeah he just does cool little crazy panel shit in every every scene it's so cool um i want to know what it's like to be in his brain and how he visualizes like oh i'm gonna do this shot from this angle yeah and how much of that is like scripting or something he's doing entirely himself right yeah, I don't know how much of a like overlord Grant Morrison is. I know he's. I I've heard he's hard to work with, but yeah, you know, I don't think he's Alan Moore. Where like you have to count. He like tells you how many breaths you can have during a page. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it looks like you're going over, I'm going to need you to do some deep meditation <laughs> right. stuff to calm yourself down. Yeah, I bet he. Yeah, I bet it also kind of depends on the partner, right? I think he kind of lets Frank quietly kind of just go go with stuff and do your own thing. But I've also heard his his scripting is pretty um minute detail oriented stuff yeah, yeah I, I can't remember if it was is in talking in gods or something else that i've seen but i've heard that yeah he he'll he'll nitpick you on very tiny things as well like it needs to be pretty precise yeah yeah i was i i really i i dug this one i also just like how much talia al ghul we got here like it you know is the most humanizing i think i've ever read Talia al Ghul or seen Talia al Ghul. Yeah, I really like her as a character primarily because of this kind of backstory. Um, what do you think? I like the Ghul family in general. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess he... I, I There's a little bit of retconning here in my mind mm -hmm. on the very first page when you do... Uh, when you say that Talia wasn't born during Live Aid, that puts Batman shirtless in the desert with a sword pretty recently and like i guess it's not retconning but it's just kind of pushing the timeline which comics always have to do but mm -hmm. the live aid thing made me feel weird because yeah that is when batman is supposed to be in the desert with a sword well even that first line of dialogue so neptune is in capricorn that is between 84 and 97 mm -hmm. so like that first line of dialogue is them shifting the whole timeline up to mm -hmm. i think largely um fit in with the new 52 I was right say, i think it's a new oh, 52 that's... thing rather than a morrison choice i agree thing. i like yeah. that yeah i try not to think about that because it you know it bothers me that with new 52 batman had like all these all these partners all these robins in the space of five years it's like Jeez. right <laughs> come on 26 dude he's just going through them and they were just sort of dead. Like, give me another one don't <laughs> yeah. think about it don't think about it there's just been some robins you know it's like, yeah. okay all right i guess i won't think about it but yeah I, I you know i think that that's pretty good all things considered like woodstock like live aid is you know an almost similar thing but it also then kind of worked well to fit in with that uh 
kind of the conversation about Batman and what people like people with money should be spending their money on. And live aid was this thing that had quite a bit of contention around it when it happened for the reason he said, which is like, why don't these people just donate all this money instead of not giving money and playing a concert to get paid and get other people to give money. Yeah. I really liked uh, Roz's uh, is it Roz or race <laughs> or race or yeah, Raish. whatever, you know, everyone, <laughs> I like Razi, Razi, the Raspberry. Yeah. I, I really like his uh, introductory dialogue here. That was great. Yeah, I love him, and I and I love on the next page the the two page spread there where he's he's Roz is doing the Lion King thing with little baby Talia. What I want to say I like about Raz Al Ghul, Razi is the courage he goes in to have kind of like a a duke or like a. <laughs> like as islamic empire leader or some kind of byzantine outfit just going in there wearing that like to no live one, aid yeah <laughs> no one's like why is this guy dressed like he's from a, a different century he's just got the courage to do it and the like strong gray power alleys you know it's yeah like, oh you're just coming to rock out with the kids i yeah. get it. like <laughs> and that weird yeah is, and i don't even know what you call that kind of uh facial hair that he wears yeah, it's not quite a fu man shoe right no no it's not a fu man shoe it's, it's not a it's not a uh van dyke i don't know <laughs> how, how that, old is he at this point forever forever old yeah <laughs> time okay okay yeah, i does. mean he's no vandal savage but he's uh no he's up there though he's up there. yeah he's he's found lazarus pits and stuff so hard to say they date him you know different times but I felt that's like... a series I'd love to read. Justin, this woman dating Raz Al Ghul. What <laughs> yeah. a fucking like <laughs> trying to have dinner in a restaurant. He's like, it's not as good as the sixth century. No, <laughs> um, I think he in this run, like it's at the height of the Islamic Empire when he starts doing shit. So he's pretty old. Okay, you know? still virile Some... though. No, oh, for yeah, sure. yeah. And he's got that like cult leader stare he's using on on this uh, this poor lady in the concert. You know, he's using the Osho eyes or the Keith the Osho. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, I love him. He's God." Yeah, yeah. This issue really made me wish I had a Lazarus pit. Oh, bud, you're not getting that old, <laughs> Roman. You don't age. Like, yeah, but you're, but, you're the but... you're the Cascadian Gandalf. Well, well, <laughs> wow, which, thank you. Which, which makes Jango the Kentucky Fried Sauron. Oh, <laughs> that is deeply good. And Jeff, deeply you and I good. are just two uh, lost Hobbit boys trying to <laughs> trying to find a place to put this Ouroboros. Yeah, 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 yeah. This Ouroboros. Uh, Ouroboros. <laughs> Sorry, I have a piece of information I had saved you to drop in, but now I don't really actually remember how it fits in just because I take pictures of things. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, well, it just was interesting. Uh, Justin, this like issue covered on some things I think that you probably were very familiar with. I didn't know at all. But so Neptune apparently represents dreams and Capricorn is pragmatic. So as Melisandre says, the convergence of the two is the realization of dreams. More importantly, however, it's about frustration with the world not matching your dreams and a drive to change it. Children born with Neptune, uh, while Neptune is in Capricorn, are dissatisfied with the world and wish to make it in their image, which seems to reflect on Talia's desires, but apparently in Final Crisis Secret Files, he also describes Darkseid is essentially the same way, which I thought was just an interesting through line. Because Darkseid, especially like during the dark Dr. Hurt portions of this story, it was sort of like you can just kind of make them one person. Like, is it dark side? Is it the devil? Is it Dr. Hurt? What is all of this? He's so just I, bad. I like, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked this looming shadow of like the intentionality of bad kind of right. going through things. And I, I thought it was a cool connection to tie, particularly through words as this ad- addressed, like dark side's motivation and Talia's motivation. Isn't that Batman too though? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, trying to like dissatisfy with the world and trying to change it in their image. I think, yeah, that entire thing is kind of like, I think it's cool that he found an astrological way to like get that point through things again, because yeah, I do. I think that's kind of a, a through line in this story is dissatisfaction. Even like Batman incorporated is essentially doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, like Capricorn is owned. It is, you know, each, each sign is owned by a planet and Capricorn is Saturn and Saturn's like limitations orders. You often see like authoritarian regimes rise when Saturn's prominent and okay. so you see like old and he's he's literally father time saturn's father time so it's like the old way and then uranus is uh or uranus is like um upheaval often prometheus is associated with that like stealing fire from the gods like a rapid change revolutions are associated with uranus so you see like rapid change of order so i think it's kind of cool like daughter the new way trying to eat the old man who and Ra's al Ghul is literally father time he lives forever he's that's true time. so he's, he's got like the beard right and saturn eats his own child and so he's always trying to consume his own kid and so i thought that was a cool parallel and that's like a way of saying he stays youthful forever as eating your own child. And so and I even thought, like the eating your own child thing is like, there's like lions or cultures where they'll take their, their children and throw them off of a cliff or down a hill. And the only the strongest ones that can make it back up survive. So that scene of him holding the baby on this ice hill. Oh yeah. It made me think of that without even knowing what you just said about, you know, that specific thing, which is, which is rad. I love on that double page spread, the like, juxtaposition of Roz climbing with her and her marching in to confront Roz, but like it zooms into the eye and the issue is called the eye of Gorgon and like she is Gorgon and what a just lo- thought that was I, I didn't realize it at first. I was like, oh that's cool zooming in on the eye. I was like, oh, oh right, okay. Yeah, she's she's his eye. Yeah, it's crazy. Um he's so good at doing that multi-layered panel significant stuff. It's impressive. I got uh, kind of Mount uh, Lion King vibes out of that yeah. shot, and, and I mean it's almost exactly what the dialogue is from Lion King, right? Or is it is it just implied? I I guess I've never seen Lion King. No, what? I think, I think he says it. The daddy lion. This, this will all be <laughs> Mufasa yours. says, "Yeah, this yeah. everything beyond here <clears throat> will be yours." Yeah, all things the sun touches. Yeah, right. The pride lands. So it's basically, a- he's making her yurtle the turtle here. Yeah, exactly. I think it is like I think it's deeply Seussian, right? I mean, like, isn't there a a, a constellation that Seuss was involved with, Justin? That is close to the Capricorn, Doctor Seuss. Yeah, Perseusius. Um, per, yeah, and the yeah, it's Perseusian um, yeah. ideologies persist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked uh, you know the little bit of explanation for the the Leviathan symbol that she Mm -hmm. provides like saying that nets suggested it yeah and mother of chaos medusa the gorgon callie the great upheaval and great like destroyer she's she's bad she's taking like these really chaotic destructive symbols and making a a a pot pie out of them Uh, a big old pot pie of destruction oh justin (laughs) (laughs) making me want pot pies so justin what's really interesting about that and like you would address even some of the like, like Kali and, and knowing those references, but 
But call yourself as a four-armed Hindu goddess of time and day. Dusa, the Gorgon in Greek mythology whose gaze turned men to stone. Tiamat, the monstrous Babylonian goddess of the ocean. All three were invoked by Professor Pig in Batman and Robin earlier when he says, like, on Tuesday, Tuesday's Tiamat, Wednesday is whatever, then, mm -hmm. like, on Thursday, Gorgon. All of them are oh, referenced to those three symbols. So what I loved about that is the implication that Professor Pig was put within the black glove working for her by Talia, much like Melnikov, this Russian general that she puts in there as well. I just thought that that is just one of those other instances where like, you know, Roman's kind of brought up like how much of this did Morrison know originally? Right. That's what I'm thinking right now. And, and to have those three explicit references inherent in that symbol be things that professor pig referenced like a year and a half earlier mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, and Kali, uh, my, my only touchstone to Kali is that that's who they worship in Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. Like, okay. Paul Aram uses Kali's power to, pull people's hearts out and then they burn them in sacrifice to Kali. Kali ma, Kali ma. No, careful. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know that, that like reading, I didn't remember that, but somebody pointed that out. Actually a bunch of people pointed that online. And I thought that was rad, you know, like it made me think about Justin mentioning, I think it was Jesse Moynihan who will just sort of like throw stuff in there as he's doing these and allow himself to tie back to it later. Yeah. And I think that, writers or creators who allow themselves to do that and then build on it later on like you know either morrison planned all this ahead of time or didn't and just allowed himself to build off things mm -hmm. but when you do that it makes you look way more impressive right like it, i think it's you, just trusting the imaginal just like right this is a thing for a thing i'm gonna let it be and it, it will catch me at some point i can also see him being meticulous and doing it but right um i really feel like it was just like going to put this stuff in pig's dialogue and it will work itself out and then it, it did you know and if it doesn't that's fine it's still cool dialogue the first time around right well it, exactly but you and it could have even been as vague as like well i know i'm dealing with themes of like motherdom um but right. even like in this like it does flash back to that scene of them on the submarine like you know seeding talia as this like right. big thing is um you know has seems to be seems to be really present throughout all of it now looking back on it when you have this one rosetta stone issue of talia right that i wasn't on the episode where they have that confrontation um on the sub oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i felt like the way that that shot is kind of widescreen it felt like there was like a weird amount of gravitas and emotion put into that scene compared to what else was going on like to me reading that even back then i was like this is significant like shit is right. going down here and I did obviously didn't think it would ever go this direction. I was as surprised as anybody when I f realized it was Talia, but I think then he wanted to drive some narrative of her heartbreak and what that would do. Like what happens when you cross, you know, the devil's daughter. Yeah, I think so. And I do, I think that was the first issue that you weren't on the first episode, <clears throat> but I do think maybe the episodes you were after it, you did mention that same thing of like, this is Talia making her first threat. You know, right. like and and being a spurned lover or spurred mother, spurned, spurred. I don't spurned. know. Spurned, spurned, burned. Thanks. So yeah, spurned lover. Um, and unless, unless they're cowboys, and then she could be a spurred lover. Yeah, cool. Yeah, only if you're really into saddles and you know boots and stuff. Well, you know, you know she is, and you know Roman is too. <laughs> and Bruce, that guy likes yeah. in some leather saddles. Oh, 
Oh yeah, Bru- Brucey Bootsy. <laughs> Boots Bootsman. The <laughs> uh, I how about like just the like eclectic occultist spiritualist shop that uh, Talia runs into early on in the issue, Justin? Like I love it. I loved that, and I was like, oh man, I bet Justin knows a lot more of these references that are getting spit out here than I do. But I, oh, I did go- think that was awesome. Yeah, when she goes into uh, middle aged Melisandre's yeah fortune telling spot yeah yeah it's got well yeah i thought it just too because i mean the cabalistic tree of life is there yep. on the yeah and burnham doing so that that tarot card is the pep piece the priestess from the marseille deck which is kind of the older kind of more purist tarot and it, it's one that i really really love and to see like burnham draw from that deck drawing the that iconography is one that's I deeply, deeply love. I actually can't read that deck very well because it's pretty advanced. But um, and isn't I, it also like a specifically French deck or something? Mm-hmm. Like I, I read that the nature of that deck ties into like the origin, like the racial, ethnic origin of Melisandre here. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some gypsy stuff there too. Um, yeah, I, I just love. I got to get me a Burnham tarot deck. Give me a Burnham Marseille deck because it looks so much kind of like the card, but there's a delicateness that isn't in the card, and there's like a refi- it's refined. I was just, I stared at that image for a while this morning. I was like, damn, Burnham needs to do a tarot deck. He should, and I think Morrison, Morrison and him should do it together for sure. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> and and I, up. I got this like pretty gorgeous um, Justice League tarot set like several years ago. And I just realized now it's like $150. Do tarot oh, sets yeah. do that? The, the DC ones do. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. There was a Justice League one. There was a Vertigo one that came out in the late 90s that is really scarce now. That's fucking hmm. sick. Um, so <laughs> we, we jumped a page or two. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Were you guys, were you, were you trying to skip the year one reference? Is that what's, is no. that, what's <laughs> going on go. here? Is this a conspiracy? there is no way in hell that i was not going to mention a year one reference and allow me to sort of poke Django, especially when it's the tree kicking scene that Django fucking loves a tree kicked in a certain way you guys ever try to kick a tree (laughs) yeah but it's hard yeah i can't do it like that i usually just you know lean against him and read (laughs) i figure the tree the tree's always going to win against me so right my leg snaps like that when i try to kick a tree (laughs) these were a kicks back and this whole this whole issue is beautiful but i really love this sequence with little talia and and seeing dad in the lazarus pit for the first time just Mm -hmm. the burnham the there's like i don't know five six panels where the way burnham draws her face is just so moving and I love the yeah. first one where she starts running down the stairs and, and she drops her notebook and her drawings fall out. And one of the prominent, most prominent one is a drawing of her daddy, you know, cute Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> yeah. That is like painful in an awesome way. Yeah. 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 But God, her face, just heartbreaking. And she's so joyful and still with tears coming down her cheeks when he, her daddy rises out of the pit. Oh, That's the, the one... <clears throat> Yeah, interesting thing about Burnham's art. Like, I love all of it, but his non-costume heads are so, like, unique to his own, but they're, like, big and super cartoony, while everything else is cartoony, but it looks kind of just like it could be cartoony in, like, an inking or penciling style, whereas their heads are, like, you know, the the shot of her doing the chemistry thing. Like, it's all very, you know, I guess manga-esque. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, which I kind of, I don't, I, I probably wouldn't like it if anybody else was doing it. Mm-hmm. But he, the way he does it is their faces just kind of, so it seems like that. They just kind of seem like he's doing, okay, this is the, uh, the I don't know, the platonic ideal of the emotion here. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. a realistic yeah. face. <laughs> Do you That's guys think point. that uh, that the panel of her telling the Zeppelin pilot to get on there and him on the phone has any special meaning just that, just that that's how she got a zeppelin so a, a panel later is <laughs> she's in the zeppelin going okay. to demanding place, something I <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess she's demanding the horse also while ross is buying buying it in the top panel there and i think so, it also goes to show that she's always ignored and brushed to the side like she's always a second thought like oh daddy's doing business just go ahead and do your thing and yeah you know as we come to read this issue talia really really just wants to be seen Um, yeah throwing that horse for my kid yeah (laughs) (laughs) i feel for her man neglect is a very unique type of abuse and you know uh when you do it to someone as capable and already kind of damaged as she is you're gonna get something bad out of that Um, yeah i somebody used the wording and i I saved it just because I really liked the wording of Morrison and Burnham keep up the impeccable standard and deliver a genuinely threatened non-token female adversary for the dark Knight. The more character development, for, there's more character development in Talia for these 20 pages than probably the rest of her appearances combined. Mm-hmm. And I do, I think that like even these shots of her, like doing science or like the year one reference, I love this idea of creating a parallel of Batman, yeah. you know, like uh, missing the affection or love of the parent because it, they refuse to give it to him or because they're dead but then also what it does like you know kicking trees and learning all this science and esoteric stuff like i I think that they do a great job of not seeming to make her like a token female and also like a really frightening badass yeah she's comparable to batman in her skill in execution where before we just thought like oh she's just a beautiful rich daughter they're like no she's actually kind of a assassin herself you know she's utilized the trainings and resources that Roz has right yeah i mean you could even i mean you could you could do a paper on this probably but Mm -hmm. you could even argue that talia her upbringing since her dad was still around but such a uh controlling figure and neglectful figure she's emotionally worse off than yeah. Bruce was since he, he, you know, he was forced to say goodbye and mm-hmm. get out and got him. real love. And almost like when, when someone's a real good person and dies, it's almost easier to grieve, you know, but when you have conflicted feelings, you're like, I don't know how to feel about this, you know, and that, that kind of stuff lingers. And so, um, she, and you can live might. with an idealized picture of them right right whereas she doesn't get she's not afforded that she's like oh oh nope just you're an asshole okay cool yeah. i want your love <laughs> no, but you're an asshole you don't love yeah. me yeah and yeah like i have to live with that i, yeah. I love i love that they added uh, so many details in like i had no idea that you know one of the things disciplines talia learned was was ballet and and she's really good at it too because i mean she's up on point there in that one panel and <laughs> oh my gosh i didn't for whatever reason i didn't perceive that as her but it's obviously her right yeah right. yeah so. yeah because she's look you know she somehow notices from that he leaves the room through, through the back of her head that her dad isn't in the balcony okay <laughs> i just registered as that like Rosal ghoul's got a whole balcony or whole ballet thing just for him and he leaves the room to go talk to talia okay good catch that was dumb of me oh and the next scene when he gives her the, her submarine base when for her 16th birthday I I don't I was 
so impressed with this line of dialogue because I hadn't clued into this before, but uh, Ross says that um, used to belong to the infamous devil doctor of Limehouse himself. That's a reference to uh, Fu Manchu, who's, who I then realized, oh, so Denny O'Neill, who I think created these two, he based Roz and, and Talia on Fu Manchu and his daughter, um, Falo Sui, which I'm probably mispronouncing that. I, I, I'm just so impressed because like, wow, that never occurred to me, even though I read, you know, the entire run of Master of Kung Fu. <laughs> like, wow, cool. <laughs> I read, yeah, Fu Manchu reference in there. And then also that in Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the secret base of one of them is mm -hmm. this base underneath London. Yeah. Um, and I think there was a little bit more there that I'm forgetting, but just kind of like going to that. I think that Morrison does kind of compulsively poke Alan Moore a little bit, <laughs> you know, like often he'll just try and tie a reference to a more like a Moore book or cast a Moore book in a light that I bet Moore is sort of like, no, I meant something else, <laughs> you know, like um, it came from my beard. <laughs> <laughs> So, Roman, did you? I didn't, obviously. I, I rely on other people to know. But this scene of her, like, getting quote-unquote kidnapped on the train um, is from Detective Comics 411 from 1971. But down to, like, the exact panel reconstruction, I have comparison shots. That's her I first appearance, right? It might, it might be, actually. Um, and then, like, in that one, Batman is a woman hiding in front of them on a train. I love that they had that. the dude uh, eating is in both shots. Like, it's just, guy, like, panel, panel re reconstruction. I love that the, there's, like, the guy behind them smoking a cigarette and kind of hiding his face. I was like, that's probably Batman. I did, too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I and then I didn't know that, oh. but, yeah, Dr. Dark, that name sounded familiar. Yeah, all of those characters, like, that, that is plucked. You know, once again, Morrison doing this fantastic job of, like, retconning and including, not undoing, referencing. Like, it's it's pretty rad. Yeah. And, and, and Burnham, again, in that, during that sequence, the one big panel, I don't have page numbers, the one big panel where she kind of cocks her head and arches an eyebrow and gives Dark that look, where he's like, what was that look? In that panel where she's giving the look... That's the only panel that we that Burnham included the sun behind her, just like before we saw the title with the eye of the Gorgon. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, oh. I just like that sun and her eye paralleling all that again. When she's trying to hypnotize the guy. Yeah. 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 Which that is almost succeeded. The one weird thing for me that kind and and you know, they had to do this because it's new fifty-two now, but and some of the Batman continuity is now new 52 eyes and some isn't but it kind of drew me out of the story a little bit when batman first shows up there me too rescuing from the train because i was like wait a minute he's in his new 52 costume but this right. all happened in the well used to be 70s now 80s i guess <laughs> he had his like blue with his circular like yeah. taped crusaders era outfit that really <laughs> threw me out of it too i was like uh he wouldn't be wearing that and that doesn't that looks out of place but then i remembered like oh this is post new 52 yeah where they kind of shrunk everything into one span <laughs> of batman which kind of is like contra of all of Morrison's thesis of these books is like everything happened. And now they're like, well, everything happened, but it was in a smaller time frame. Yeah, everything happened in five years. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, I can't find it, but I read some 
interesting analysis of her stare there and like the stare of the gorgon and medusa and turning men to stone and like mind control as as her being the opposite but then i like oh something about a wink and then tying into what justin said about the star al ghul having an inconsistent light like that star in of itself kind of winks um yeah yeah it's the wink of the of the star and um that's also like Medusa's whole thing of turning people into stone. She almost does it. She like freeze pauses the guy with a hypnotic look. And she was a spurned lover as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, you know, drawing this comparison of Talia to all these, you know, figures of mythology is pretty, pretty awesome. rad. Thank God we have that shot of Batman in the yellow and gray and blue though. Like that, you know, it's gotta be that art, right. For that time, you know, just like for yeah. the Denny O'Neill, uh you know neil adams era of art like thank thank goodness they did draw that because new 52 would be damned i would not want you know him with a cod piece jumping right there (laughs) and he followed the rules um the rules of the dc universe which are anytime batman picks up a sword his shirt has to come off right (laughs) Django, i told you in this one shot you see batman's nipples this whole thing is about raza ghoul's nipple jealousy Oh. Like, my nipples aren't good as the as the detectives and that's why i have to try to kill him with a sword they look look at 13 him. centuries old <laughs> yeah i wonder if I, I wonder if alfred prepares some kind of special like bat nipple, nip, bat nipple rouge or something because yeah that's i'm sure bruce was like ah forget you connery and john saxon i've got the best <laughs> yeah and He's you got- know Roz is like trying to make it about chest hair instead. Like they're thinking yeah. like who has the better chest hair because he knows his nipple composure is not up to snuff compared to Bruce's. Right. You know that he like synthesizes a scorpion poison to try to make his nipples look bigger, but like it doesn't Botox. quite work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's awesome is like that sword fight scene being told from the perspective of that scorpion, since originally the scorpion, like they start fighting to resolve this thing, but a scorpion stings Bruce and that's what causes him to like be paralyzed and her mm-hmm. to take care of him and everything. I just think it's a pretty cool artistic flourish to like tell that shot from the perspective of the scorpion. It made me really want to read that demon trilogy again. We have a hardcover at the store. I'm like, I'm going to take this home and read this because I've only read son of the demon um which has like the the hanky panky stuff in it but (laughs) and so are we to believe that she gave him a love potion or a mad potion or what do you guys all think i thought it was like a revival potion that's what i thought that it was a something to counteract the scorpion venom but no 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 it must be a love potion because that panel with when she's pouring it and there it the smoke kind of Spirals around. It looks like a caduceus, kind of, but I also thought maybe that's a heart at the top. Yeah, because look on the next page, she's spiked his drink with the same thing right Right. before they. So he's not all. He's not all busted in, all ragey. He's all busted in, all like horned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ross, I've got a Woody. (laughs) (laughs) Turgid. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what she did in the original Son of the Demon, if I remember right. I mean, she drugged him and you know pretty much raped him right yeah yeah right. Hmm. Hmm. we need a Ra's al ghul scholar for that one because yeah i read a bunch of different interpretations of that or like what if this is batman's memory of that and he justifies it to himself as being drugged when he hadn't been drugged 
Mm. Um, I don't, I read that original one and I don't remember there being drugs, but I remember this specific scene and that specific scene, like reading online a ton early, early on years and years ago, trying to find out what is the actual, like what actually happened. Batman has a kid. Who did he have sex with? When did that happen? Like what? Like I, I, I hunted down that Mike or the Obar, you know, story just to find that it was very very difficult for me to find but i because it seems like within this story it it's always told from a slightly different angle so this is maybe a little bit of retconning to fit to i don't know the whole thing that's why i really want to reread it and but but damien's a clone right he's not that's that's my question for everybody so what do we think like do you think that let's talk about batches do you think that Batman <laughs> yonkied inside of um, Tali Al Ghul? And I then, do. I and do then, believe. I do believe there was a yonky, Jeffrey. Um, <laughs> a yonky and, donkey. And then, like, do you think she got pregnant and they extracted that DNA and started growing it in this tube? Or do you think that she, like, you know, did the thing where she went in the toilet and sat and dripped a little bit and took that and then combined it with her own egg in a clone chamber. I'm just trying to think about, or is Damien, you know, I think this says it's not, but one interpretation I had is like, is Damien the actual birthed one that she birthed, but they've cloned him as well. But I guess this one wouldn't. My interpretation is like, he is the actual genetic offspring of this night. And then they, once she birthed them, they heavily genetically modified him. But this this panel of her saying, I'll call you Damien, one day you'll rule the world as she cups the baby in the in the test tube, like that that looks like a baby before it's born. Yeah. Right? Well, the umbilical cord. But I feel like small. they said in in Batman and Son that like he was a the baby himself was genetically modified. Maybe they pulled and created a synthetic womb and that's what that is so they mm-hmm. can recreate. that's that's what i was just thinking because like the flow of this panel d- then shows the young damien with the ninjas so it seems like that one in the tube is the first one but it i mean if sex was required to make it then yeah did they extract it from talia and then put it in a test tube yeah, i love gotta be that. just a donor yeah, yeah. That, well that's what i was thinking that they extracted the zygote from from talia and put it in there I mean, I mean, you know, Morrison retconned some of that because, like, in *Son of the Demon*, at the very end of it, she's birthed a normal baby and then gives mm-hmm. it up for adoption. Mm-hmm. So he changed that. I like I, that, that that panel of him fighting the ninjas is the same panel of her fighting the ninjas earlier in the issue. And I was mm-hmm. staring at that. And I was like, "Why do I know that panel?" And apparently, <laughs> that's the panel in Batman Six 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 that Kubert draws as a flashback to Damien's origin. Oh, because cool. uh, I was sitting at it, and I was like, "Why does that just like the organization of the ninjas, like their physical organization?" I mean, it was like that was a really familiar panel, and then two pages later, you see it again, or the next page, or whatever. Oh no, sorry, you saw it with Talia several pages ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the exact same background shot reused between those two panels. And I, I think I, I need to look at 666 to see how similar it is there. But That's cool. So who? what do we know about Malenkov other than that the first three letters of his name mean bad in French? Oh. Like if you were to say Mal. le mal fromage, it would be the bad cheese. Um, Malenkov. He yeah, is... He is in Black Glove. Like yeah. he's he's one of the first ones to die, but I can't remember. Okay, he's the one who gets his neck broken. Yeah, Joker gets him real good. Okay. 
I love just the the weakness that the black glove is shown here that like Talia is so clearly like has infiltrated that organization mm-hmm. and he's got the black glove on I thought it was cool like just a little mm-hmm. some, little nod as he's wearing a black glove left hand up too mm-hmm. Satan left hand <laughs> darkness oh and you do have that yeah you got the rock of gibraltar behind that uh submarine for the submarine conversation here um yeah we've got uh big old big old fatherless shows up secret reveal guy Darth Vader um, batman yeah oh he looks so rad yeah, and i love him bashes those heads together we still don't know who fatherless is, but I really like the seed that like these, her like um, Ubu character that is like a support for her and her father throughout it. I think that it's kind of implied that maybe that's him. Oh. Getting his head it, smashed. That's, that's what I thought that first that fatherless was actually Ubu that um, I, I, I think it's intentionally, him. right. Intentionally made to seem that way. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cause because you know she, when she has that dialogue about uh, how he's a, a monster grown in the belly of a whale, Leviathan, mm-hmm. um, and that and that parallels you know Damien's what we saw visually of his his uh, in, infants infancy. Mm, shirtless Batman, nice hard nipples. Yes. I still we, wonder why. I mean, I'm jealous. Why did Talia? I'm just curious. It's not important to the story, but I'm just curious why Talia chose the the theme and imagery of of the whale and Leviathan for this for her organization. Well, so like Leviathan is born from the center of the earth and is like kind of considered to be the underworld. So it's like a product of the underworld, but it's also the giant thing that is beneath the deeps. So, you know, like that, which has always been there, but shrouded in mystery or, you know, a threat that isn't fully formed. Like I think, yeah, I wonder if she specifically chose that name or if it's more like the role that it plays throughout this whole story like is kind of it is a leviathan of this story and morrison i wonder if he made the name of it more based on that or more based on like i mean also he's the kind of guy who just like kind of comes up with one metaphor and then is able to make that metaphor become kind of everything so the order of operations of that in my head i have no idea but yeah it is it is an interesting question well fatherless was born in the belly of a whale right Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i'm curious about it because you know because i'm reading moby dick right now and that's such a and especially when that book was written leviathan was just generally used as a term for whales because that's what it's from is in the bible um Mm. and and i'm just curious what morrison's thought process was in there (laughs) if it's kind of similar to melville's what i'm waiting for is to find out that fatherless is actually named jonah um (laughs) he's just just a whale the the biblical guy stuck inside the belly of the whale forever that then was, got thrown up on shore. It's gonna be Geppetto, but I was afraid of Disney. <laughs> I don't want to get seed. <laughs> yeah, I do love Talia's skull mask. You know, I, know. I don't know why she needs that, but I'm pretty into it. I, I dig I, it. I feel like that's just a another pulp reference. To like you know Fu Manchu and that kind of stuff, just that okay. sensi- that sensibility of, and and plus you in the very beginning when you first see Leviathan, I mean you don't, I don't know why, if you guys had this I, I this idea, but 
a spooky skull mask in a shadowy figure, I automatically assume that's masculine. <laughs> and I don't okay. know why. Women have skulls. But... Yeah, but it's it's such like a like a testosterone skulls are bitching dude kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Like oh, I always check out my tat. Yeah. There yeah. you go, yeah. I, I even love... love oh go ahead. Oh uh uh I even love just the one panel. In Italia's history, and they mentioned recent her recent history, um, talking to the soup, the secret society of supervillains there, and I'm just I appreciate that was thrown in. Where's that? Uh, right before the scene with uh, oh, General, with General Malenkov, right with De- Deathstroke, and I didn't realize that was specifically who that was. Yeah, it's Luther and Deathstroke and Black Adam in the background. Oh, of course, that's Luther and Black Adam. I only recognize yeah. oh, Deathstroke. Shit. I don't know who that is on the video screen, but Bolivar Trask. That's X Men. <laughs> Stag. Stag. Flag. Stag. Which which their dialogue there makes me wonder was uh she says, hence this group of like minded individuals I'm proposing. Did she recruit or try to recruit, or was she successful in kind of recruiting the secret society? Or any of them into helping her with Leviathan, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. I'm believable, right? Yeah. I don't they... know if we find that out, but yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah. Is that is that scene of her um, talking to Lex and and Deathstroke? Is that maybe tied to the book the the Book of Crime? Oh, from like fifty two and can... stuff. Yeah, because he he had a Morrison had hmm. a hand in that, right? Yeah, and I yeah. think. It looks like the scene that's in the Infinite Crisis um, special. There's a part of that book where these guys are in a room and they're talking to someone on a screen. Justin, you are totally right. Um, One thing I read mentioned um, Villains United, which was a miniseries that led into like Secret Six Mm -hmm. and, and this organization that Roman just mentioned and like her being a part of it, but T- tied to that villains united things was the word infinite crisis special and i didn't know what that was or where it fit but you just saying that means you ironed it out for me so that is cool so yeah Django, it, i would say that it probably does fit into a distinct scene from a different book somewhere mm-hmm. yeah i wonder if they're just back casting like she was part of it and now morrison is rewriting why she was part of it was because she was trying to do her leviathan leviathan stuff even back then the leviathan yeah. creep mm-hmm. i like that justin <laughs> What do you guys think of the the dialogue continuing into the past on the page with the scorpion? Because the, the first two panels on that page, the first one is her in her uh, Leviathan snowsuit. And then her and Ross walk out of a tent and she's in her desert outfit. And of course, he doesn't change because he never changes his goddamn suit. But <laughs> like they continue that conversation. And I don't know if they're continuing getting a flashback or if it just happens that those two conversations have been mirrored over time. Mm. I, th- I thought it was being mirrored over time that it's their, their usual conversation. Mm-hmm. Neither of those even occurred to me. No, um, no so... I have no idea what you're talking about. I think that's on the previous page, the like bullfighting scene and the girl that seems upset at him. Those are specifically taken from other issues. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I, yeah, I do I like that idea of it being retold. Like this is a conversation that they always have over and over. Like one right. of the main things that Talia has in common with her dad is that they both kind of have an obsession with Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. Her I, dad's I, just not a good enough chemist to seal the deal. No, yeah. no. He had to, yeah. <laughs> I, even, I even thought that was uh, another nice little visual reference because that panel you mentioned, Jeff, where Talia and Batman are talking and there's that, angry redhead behind batman mm -hmm. i think that's kim basinger um vicky vale oh wow because she i mean she was his girlfriend batman's girlfriend at some point well bruce's girlfriend batman's girlfriend like <laughs> bruce man's bruce but, man's. I, but yeah if that's vicky vale i don't know what story it's referring to directly but hey justin with um so the particular cover of this issue and then also the constellation of the demon's head with throughout this the, and the gorgon the winking eye of the gorgon um is that interpretation visually of it something that is like pretty unique to burnham's interpretation of it like a cartoonish flourish like with the tongue sticking out and stuff I, like particularly the issue cover number two i was always like this is kind of a weird cover like what is this it reminds me of one of those floating head things in Dungeons and Dragons that, um, anyway, I'm just, I think the beholder, yeah. Reference to Perseus and mythology carrying, he carries Leviathan's head around and uses it to turn people to stone. And I think it loses an eye in the mythology from what okay. I And like this, the eye star, you know, seems to be like his one that's open. He's holding one close. I just remember like looking at that issue and being like, this is tonally a little, weird so I, I'm, yeah. now i'm thinking like it, i wonder if it's just straight up the interpret like a, a, a an interpretation of its visual nature from long ago that burnham you know like I with the tongue so. sticking out and everything it, it is because when that's what the constellation looks like except when we see the close-up of the constellation in melisanda's um office quote unquote um and she's pointing at it the tongue lulls out to the side because it's you know dead it's just she's been beheaded and dead on the cover oh okay the gorgon's not dead and the tongue's in the center and since okay. it has that it's a binary it, you only see one at one time that missing eye is the one you gotta watch out for mm. that's Ooh. the malefic yeah. eye and the like the evil yeah eye reading about the binary nature of that star was another thing that had come up in my morning research about this, like the mother daughter, father daughter, or even just like the, the a duality. I don't know. I don't remember what it was, but somebody had done some paragraphs on, you know, a more informed person about uh, astrology than myself. Guys, I want to make sure everyone gets everything they want to say about this out, but we do have one email from our friends to get to whenever we finish. Okay. The only other thing well, I wanted to say is I love how proud Ross is after she's killed his henchman. Like in the last panel, he's like <laughs> got his hands on his hips and he's watching her walk away to go take care of Batman. Like that's a proud dad right there. I love their weird fucked up um, <laughs> family dynamic. <laughs> the only thing I have left is this one, again, one of those really, really cartoony Burnham faces when Batman flings open the, the tent flap to Roz oh. and, and Roz actually looks scared and if you see his eyes all wide with his pupils or bat or Batman mm -hmm. heads. Or is, yeah. that, is that what Batman's seeing because he's been dosed? 
<laughs> or is that like Batman's view through anger? That's Batman. <laughs> Look at the fear I'm putting in this guy. I really made it be Something fear. about you saying flipping open open the tent flap freaks me out. <laughs> it really does. It does. I need flip to make open sure your tent flap. I, I put a, you, a lock on my tent. Are you hiding in that tent, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> Are you in that tone, Justin? <laughs> Here I come. <laughs> oh, please don't. Um, okay, my friends. Well, we have an email from the ever-beautiful, ever-talented, always-entertaining Chris Buquette. Hope I'm pronouncing it right. Dear Batman Inc. In, in quarantine. I and Q. So clever. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, other people did that. I had two thoughts about the symbolism of issue number zero, and I didn't think you touched on it in your discussion. So for everybody... Issue number zero is not up on Spotify. It is up on our website and Apple Podcasts. Andrew, let us know about that. There's one more thing I think I can do to fix it, but it will be, it'll take a little bit. So I haven't done it yet. But um, if you're looking for issue or episode number, it's like 64 or 65, I think it's 65, and you haven't found the issue zero with Fraser Irving Art, that, that's the deal with that. So check on just our straight up website or Apple app or podcast. But first was the fact that the cyclical nature of the narrative reflects the circular nature of the number zero i do i do like that um second was the fact that while entertaining the issue was empty of any real substance like a literal representation of the number zero (laughs) while these both sound a bit absurd and you might argue that a mandated prequel one shot in the middle of an ongoing series is always going to be devoid of substance totally agree with you chris morrison is the writer who introduced the brotherhood of dada so nothing is off the table Another stray thought was that while I was also unable to identify the subject of the tattoo Johnny Riley is inking, I always assumed it was a reference to Aboriginal mythology that I don't understand. I was more interested in the customer receiving the tattoo. The bald head makes me think it could possibly be Morrison himself in the chair or possibly King Mob from the Invisibles. Anyway, I was delighted to revisit the issue and see a bit more uh, of these fun characters when these agents aren't in fact getting killed by Leviathan. That is cool um, because like in the first issue, I, th- I think it's the first issue, but I believe it's the first trade of Invisibles. Like, King Mob is seen getting a tattoo and he gets, like, the scorpion tattoo in it. But, like, I did think about that scene of just, like, the tattoo in issue zero. We get that Fraser Irving over-the-shoulder mm-hmm. art. Um, I Yeah, I didn't think too much about it, um, but I do really like that take. Yeah, I don't think you can give Morrison a tattoo without giving King Mob a tattoo and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the answer is both. Yeah, I forgot. I think Morrison got that tattoo, right? He did, tattoo, some, or? he did some pretty like boundary dissolving things between him and that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, something that I'm sure Chris also noticed, and maybe we talked about, I don't remember. It's been a, a full week, but uh, uh, Zero is also an Ouroboros, right? That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. He, there's a it's a circle although we need a mouth and a butthole on it for it to be eating out uh, you zoom out enough, it rims itself. Mouth and butthole. <laughs> i'm a i'm Django. a i'm a one man human <laughs> um, evidently morrison is too <laughs> the snake rimming its own tail um okay everybody well listen we've got a, a, a teaser here for next the resurrection of matches malone oh, oh also just mentioning one other thing is um Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul seemed to be kind of like a throwaway thing. And in here, it's kind of mentioned a bunch, even just like um, al Ghul wanting a grandson to like possess the body of, but like mm-hmm. all of that, like, and like Sensei is re- referenced. And 
anyway, just Resurrection of Razalgul, which we actually all read and talked about, <laughs> which seemed totally inconsequential, is brought up here. And still doesn't it comes save back. it. Yeah, still doesn't <laughs> save it. But as I was flipping through the later parts of this arc, it reminded me when Justin remember, reminded and remembered that the, like, the suit of woe or whatever. Suit of sorrows, sor- I think. Suit of sorrows he has in Resurrection of Razalgul is when he puts on later in the series. So I can't wait for that to come up because I hadn't a connection for it back in the day. Anyway, guys. I think this was issue 67, episode 67. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk next time about the one that I read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, and you. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I fucking read it because at the end of the last episode you said, "Oh, and the next issue is Matches Malone." So I just flipped through my issues and looked for Matches Malone oh, in the cover cuz I'm like, sorry, I, I misspoke. No, it's it's totally fine. I I I read this while we were talking just now. It was great. I um I saw your text last night, um, and you made a pun thing about like BIQ three uh-huh. or something, and I just assumed it was a mistype. I'm sorry. Oh, I could have I could have actually sought out making sure that you knew we were doing issue two and not three. Jeff, you don't know how seldom I get to feel ahead. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, right Jeff, I, I you don't understand how seldom I feel unprepared. So I was gonna. <laughs> You do know how oh. seldom I feel. <laughs> I do know that. Absolutely, I know that. Um, well, everyone, send us an email, batmanincorrentine at gmail.com, or record an audio recording of yourself saying your thoughts, just talking about your day. What were you doing when you listened to this issue? Is anyone or listening to this episode, is anyone listening to this while running? How do you I pronounce d- your last name? Absolutely. Any of these are things we would absolutely <laughs> love. As we get closer to this run ending, I'm getting more and more nervous or sad about just like, we're going to finish this and then our connection to all these people all over the world will be diminished because we won't have a reason to be making a podcast for them to listen to. So the Facebook group or when we do another podcast, hopefully it's one that is of interest to a lot of these people, but, or you can catch us on perfectly acceptable podcast, but I feel like that's everything. Batman and quarantine at gmail.com. Get at us. Roman, Justin, Django, adorable boys. Django, your (laughs) red shirt matches your wall and you're just like a floating head with some a little bit of Ra's al Ghul chest hair poking out. That's me. Kentucky Fried Sauron. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Sauron is such a good Django reference. Um, all right, boys. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to 67. We'll see you all next Monday because we're going to take Thursday off for Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go to work and uh, do some FOCs and place some orders and stuff. And then, then I'm going to read... Okay. Then I'm going to read Claws because tonight we're doing our book club through the store. If anyone listens to this and wants to be a part of our book club, shoot batmanquarantine at gmail.com an email just saying, how do I get in on this Claws book club that we're doing tonight? Because it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Psychedelic Grant Morrison, Santa Claus stuff. Anyway, thank you all. Love you boys. I'll see you all soon.